Good morning. We're glad you joined us for worship today at Cross Timber. Can't believe it's already April the 19th, and it's been over a month since we've been able to gather together for worship. But I'm glad you chose to gather with us this morning online. And I pray that the music that you hear and the word that is shared will be a blessing to you as you worship with us this morning.
Cross Timber family. We miss you guys and we love you. This morning I want to play a song for you that was written by Reuben Morgan and Ben Fielding. And it's a song called Mighty to Save. So sing along if you know it. Ecclesiastes 3, 1 through 8. 
for everything there is a season and a time for every matter under heaven. A time to be born and a time to die, a time to plant and a time to pluck up what is planted, a time to kill and a time to heal, a time to break down and a time to build up, a time to weep and a time to laugh, a time to mourn and a time to dance, a time to cast away stones and a time to gather stones together. A time to embrace and a time to refrain from embracing. A time to seek and a time to lose. A time to keep and a time to cast away. A time to tear and a time to sow. A time to keep silence and a time to speak. A time to love and a time to hate. A time for war and a time for peace. Will you pray with me? Father, we are grateful today that we have the opportunity to gather together for worship. We gather together in homes spread across the community, but we unite our hearts together by your spirit to worship you. Father, we are mindful today of the many that are sick, and we thank you that you are Yahweh Rapha, the God who heals. We are mindful of many that have lost their job or who are struggling financially, and we thank you that you are Yahweh Yireh, the God who provides. We thank you that you're the God of all comfort. We thank you that you're the God who sustains. We thank you you're the God that keeps We thank you that you are in charge and in control. Father, we pray that during these moments we have together, that you would open our hearts to the truth of your word, that you would speak to us through the songs that we sing, through the words that we hear, and that you would transform us by the power of your spirit for your glory. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.
Sometimes people ask why. Why do we do this? When we came up here, I didn't feel capable. Because I was scared. Why do we take our families away from places that are familiar and move to places that are far off? My wife was nine months, and we did not know one person who lived in the city. Why do we come to where there's nothing so we can try and start something? The Lord really just, he broke my heart for this city before I stepped off the plane. Why do we stress and strain and struggle and sweat just to make life better for someone else? There's so many people that are broken, that are lost, and it's heartbreaking. Yes, sometimes people ask why, and when they do, we tell them. There's places where the truth hasn't yet reached. We need to share the gospel and reach out our community. We tell them there's a God who loves them so much, he sent us. God spoke to us, broke our hearts for the city, and God's call trumps all. And we tell them there are people who love them so much. They give so that we can go. When people give uh, to missions, things happen. New believers are getting baptized. New churches are started. So, when people ask why, that's what we tell them. We tell them it's the gospel. It's all about the gospel.
21, verses 34 through 36. But watch yourselves, lest your hearts be weighed down with dissipation and drunkenness and the cares of this life. And that day come upon you suddenly like a trap. For it will come upon all who dwell on the face of the whole earth. But stay awake at all times, praying that you may have strength to escape all these things that are going to take place and to stand before the Son of Man.
Ephesians 5, verses 15 through 20. Look carefully, then, how you walk, not as unwise, but as wise, making the best use of the time, because the days are evil. Therefore, do not be foolish, but understand what the will of the Lord is. And do not get drunk with wine, for that is debauchery, but be filled with the Spirit, addressing one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing and making melody of the Lord with your heart, giving thanks always and for everything to God the Father in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, submitting to one another out of reverence for Christ. There are some phrases that we've all been becoming too familiar with these days. Quarantine, lockdown, stay at home. People talk about what the new normal is. We talk about social distancing, keeping six feet apart from folks. Some people are getting familiar with Zoom chat or FaceTime or other ways to virtually meet up with people. Or we talk about things being essential or necessary. In the midst of all this, hope shines brightly, but still, at times, gloom seems to come in. And we may wonder, what in the world can I do about it? I'm stuck here at home. Well, I want us this morning to consider the Apostle Paul. He writes this letter from Colossians while he's in house arrest in Rome. He's in lockdown. He had to stay at home. And how did Paul use his time? Well, he had no Zoom. He had no telephone. And he didn't have Facebook Live for worship. So what in the world did Paul do? Well, Paul managed to make the most of his time. He prayed. He wrote letters like this letter we have, the letter of Colossians. He wrote Ephesians, Philemon, Philippians, First and Second Timothy, Titus. He shared his faith to anyone that would listen. He spread the gospel. And he guided and directed local churches through his letters. And this morning we're looking at Paul's letter to the Colossians. And we want to see some wise words for a mixed up world. Now, whether we're in a pandemic or not, you would have to agree that the world we are living in is mixed up and need of help. And I want to tell you that God intends far more for you during this time than cleaning out your closet, organizing your garage, working in the yard, or maybe even catching up on your sleep. You see, in this mixed up world, God calls you and I to live our lives with purpose, to focus on what is essential, to redeem the time that we have and do everything in the name of the Lord Jesus. So this morning, we're going to look at these wise words from Paul and see how we can apply them to our lives. I want to read the verses. It's in Colossians chapter 4. We're going to look at just verses 2 through 6 this morning. And he says, Continue steadfastly in prayer, being watchful in it with thanksgiving. At the same time, pray also for us that God may open to us a door for the word to declare the mystery of Christ on account of which I am in prison, that I may make it clear which is how I ought to speak. Walk in wisdom toward outsiders, making them best use of the time. Let your speech always be gracious, seasoned with salt, so that you may know how you ought to answer each person. You see, the main idea that I want to bring across this morning is that you are an essential part of God's plan to brightly shine the light of Christ into the gloom of this mixed-up world. 
And I want to talk about three things that we can get from this verse today, that we are supposed to pray with devotion, walk with wisdom, and speak with grace. So let's look at the first thing that Paul talks about. He says we should pray with devotion. As we move into this section, Paul has moved into things that are extremely practical, how believers are supposed to live their lives in Christ, how we should act towards God and how we should act toward others. And he uses two different ways to describe that, the walk, the way we live our life, and the words, the things that we speak. And the first thing he talks about is our prayer life, praying with devotion. Prayer is both a privilege and a responsibility. We have the opportunity to communicate with God through Jesus Christ. Imagine that just for a moment that you and I, through the Lord Jesus Christ, have the opportunity to talk, communicate, talk to the very one who created the universe. And Jesus also calls us to pray. He tells us to, to pray. And so it's both a privilege and a responsibility. It's not something we can take lightly. Paul challenges the Colossians and us to be persistent in our prayers. He says we should devote ourselves to prayer. That prayer is not an optional part of the Christian life. It's essential for effective living and ministry. Now that word mean, devote, means to refer, refers to an army's aggressive and persistent attack. It's ongoing. It's surging on. It's keeping toward the goal and working until it's achieved what it intends. See, prayer shouldn't be this boring, burdensome duty. No, prayer is a privileged, powerful communication with the Almighty God. It's an incredible privilege that we talk to God and we listen for His voice. We praise God and He delights in us. We seek Him and we find Him. We confess our sins and He forgives. So what does a devoted prayer life look like? Well, first, there's also this persistence, but there's also passion. Jesus, in the parable of the widow in Luke 18, says that he taught it so that men would always pray and not give up. You see, when we persist in prayer, we, we follow through to the finish. We don't give up. We keep on asking. We keep on seeking. We keep on trusting, confident that there's a God who will answer. And we continue to pray in faith until he does. But Paul also reminds us that we need to stay alert, spiritually awake, watchful, active. During my Little League career, when I was growing up, I played in right field. If you've ever played right field, you know something is true. Nobody ever hit the ball to right field. And so I would stand out there with my glove, usually a little bit bored, and if it were not for the sand on the ground and the snow cone cups that would blow in, I wouldn't have had a whole lot to do. And I would hear from the stands, Rusty, look alive out there. Rusty, look alive. And I would raise my head up and, and see what was going on in the game. Because remember, nobody ever hits the ball to right field. Well, this morning I would wonder if many people around us are not spiritually in right field. They're playing around with not a care in the world. They're unaware of what's going on. And they're living ineffective Christian lives, ineffective prayer lives. And Paul says this morning, stay alert. Look alive out there. Because prayer requires alertness. But it also requires thankfulness. He says be thankful. You see, prayer and thankfulness cannot be 
separated. They're two parts of the same thing. And Paul reminds the Colossians over most of this letter to be thankful. He says, give thanks, be thankful, sing with thanksgiving. Now he says, pray with thanksgiving. When we show gratitude to God for what he's done, it builds enthusiasm into our prayer lives. Daniel Henderson said it this way, Ultimately, prayer is my response to the character of God, which leads to praise and thanksgiving. So when we ponder, when we remember all the things that God is and all the things that he does, when we praise him for that, it will fuel our prayer lives. So when you pray, remember what God has done for you. Take time to thank him for it. Pray confidently with a thankful heart and thank him in advance for what he will do in your life. Paul also called for prayer to be purposeful. That we would offer specific prayers for specific people. And so when God answers, you have something specific to thank him for. Now, what does Paul ask the Colossians to pray for. It's not self-serving prayer. He doesn't request that they pray for things to be a little bit easier for him while he's in house arrest. He doesn't pray for personal safety. He doesn't pray for material help. No, Paul's interest is much greater than that. It's spiritual, not physical. And Paul prays for the exact thing that brought him into prison. He prays for the gospel. It says there in the verse that the mystery of Christ on account which I am in prison, that Paul was in prison because he was faithful to Jesus to preach the gospel. And his greatest concern was that there would be continuing opportunities to witness both for himself and for his associates. And so he says, pray that God may open to us a door for the word. Did you know that prayer opens doors to share faith with others? I'll tell you this morning that prayer will open up doors that no man can open. And so we should pray that the Holy Spirit would open doors for opportunities to share, that we would pray that God would open the eyes of men and women to see their need for a Savior, and that we would ask for opportunities for those open doors, and then we would be on the lookout and on the ready, trusting that He will provide them. Now, Paul also asks for clarity, that I may make it clear which is how I ought to speak. He asks for God's help to speak clearly about Christ. It's a call for us to pray for those that communicate God's word, for those that are teachers and for pastors. That we would pray for the study and the preparation time. That we would ask that God would give them insight from the Holy Spirit. That they would live lives that would essentially practice what they preach, that they would be free and open to speak the truth, and that we would speak that for other brothers and sisters in Christ as well, that as we have opportunities all across our community, in our homes or online, to spread the good news of the Lord Jesus Christ. Now, what was Paul's goal in all this? His goal was that the mystery would be made plain to men. This mystery of the gospel would be made plain. So he prays that God would give him plain speech to make the mystery plain. Now, making this mystery plain not only requires words, it also requires actions. And so Paul moves from prayer to our Christian witness. 
how we live our life and how we speak. In the book of Colossians, Paul talks a lot about walking. He says we should walk in a manner worthy of the Lord. And he says you once walked in a sinful earthly way. Now you are to walk in Christ. And here he tells us that we should walk in wisdom. Walk in wisdom toward outsiders, making the best use of your time, the verse says. That we should be careful to not do something or say something that would make it difficult for us to be able to share the gospel. That we wouldn't damage our witness, our testimony, by our actions or our our words. You see, if you claim to be a Christian, the world around you is watching you. One commentator said it this way, The world's Bible is the daily life of the church or the Christian. Every page of which its quick eye minutely scans. And every blot on which it detects with glee and malicious exactness. The world loves nothing more than to see Christians fall. And to see Christians fall hard and flat on their faces. It does great damage to the church. It does great damage to the spread of the gospel. And so Paul wants to make it crystal clear that we need to be careful how we walk. And we need to walk wise, not unwise. Paul says God would grant them wisdom. That they would know how to live among, to deal with, and talk to the non-believers He calls them outsiders. And why? If we look at Ephesians 5.16, he tells us that we should do that because the days around us are dark or evil. Evil abounds all around us. The time is short and there is a necessity for God's people to walk in wisdom. Because our community, Burleson, Joshua, Alvarado, Crowley, the surrounding areas, our world needs to see a church Living in Christ and walking in Christ. The world is waiting to see that the things that we profess are the things that we believe and are also the things that we walk in each day. Now he gives us two ways to walk in wisdom. The first thing he tells us is to focus outside of ourselves. Now, let's be really honest. We are really good at loving ourselves. And we do our very best each and every day to take care of me, myself, and I. But the clear teaching of Scripture says that we should think of others better than ourselves. We should put others before us. And so he says, walk in wisdom toward outsiders, those that are non-believers that are outside of Christ, that in this God-granted, God-gift of wisdom, that we would know how to act and speak In Jesus' name, in front of them. How could we do that? We live in Christ. We've been talking all through the book of Colossians that it's not our life. It's Christ living in us. And we trust that it's his power working in us. And then we look for ways to love and to serve. During these days, a card or a phone call can make such a huge difference in someone's day. Dropping off a special gift on their porch, just a little something and ringing their doorbell or maybe helping out somebody learn how to order groceries online. There's so many things. There's so many ways we can do right now. Look for opportunities to serve in the love, but also look for opportunities to speak the truth of 
Christ. To summarize this, this section, just let me say it this way. We should let those outside of Christ see that Christ is at work in us. We should let non-believers see that we are Christians because it's Jesus that lives in us and that rules and reigns in our lives. Now, this also involves time, the time that we have and how we use that. Many people, whether at work or home, have a budget. Now, what's the use of a budget? It allows you and I to make the best use of our resources. It helps us account for what we have and how we use what we have. Well, Paul calls on the church to budget its time. He says, use your time wisely. Make the best use of your time. The word actually means redeem the time or buy up the time that is left. There's no losing of time. There's no time to waste. You see, time is a non-renewable resource ticks away second after second there's no way to stop a clock the past tense just grows and grows and there's no going back and paul says take advantage of the opportunities if you get a chance to love or say i love you do it when you have a chance to speak for jesus speak when you have a time to serve rather than be served serve Don't wait until later. Don't wait until tomorrow. Don't trust that there will be a tomorrow because there may not. Settle your accounts with Jesus now. Do what he's calling to do. Love, serve, and speak. And that leads us to the third point. Because walking in wisdom must also be accompanied by gracious speech. He says in verse 6, Let your speech always be gracious, seasoned with salt. Now, your mom may have told you growing up, if you can't say anything nice, don't say anything at all. Well, Paul is telling us, if you can't speak graciously, then you shouldn't be speaking for Christ. You see, our words are powerful. They can either hurt or heal. They can hinder or they can help. The Bible tells us that death and life are in the power of the tongue. So what we say, what we text, what we post online matters those words are powerful and once they're out there they don't come back that's why the bible has so much to say about how we speak you can see it all through the book of proverbs you can read about it in the book of james and in other places and he's asking for this gracious speech to be holy spirit controlled speech that as we walk in christ the holy spirit works in us to help us to say the right words in the right way At the right time. Wow. Wouldn't you like to be able to do that? That when you're involved in a situation that you would speak the right words in the right way at the right time? It's possible. Christ in us and the power of the Holy Spirit working through us can help us to speak those words. And the message, the truth that we always cling to is the good news about Jesus. It's the the truth that we profess it's the truth that we hold on to as we abide in christ his word abides in us colossians three sixteen, we looked at that a few weeks ago tells us that we should let the message about christ and all its riches fill our lives teach and counsel each other with all the wisdom he gives one person said it this way live in god's word 
and you will always have a word from God. You see, the way we speak should always be gracious. If your life has been transformed by grace, your words are going to show it. Your words will be life-giving. He says they should be seasoned with salt. They are pure. They're truth without any mixture of error. They're words that give flavor to the dullness and despair of life. Some of us live our lives like french fries with no salt. They're bland starch sticks. Some people live their lives like McDonald's french fries that are saltier, tastier, and that they flavor the rooms they're in, the conversations they have with the good news of the gospel of Jesus. Because some people speak about faith. It's bland and lifeless, but the Holy Spirit working in us wants to make it life-giving and exciting. Our speech should be filled with words of hope, encouragement, challenge, comfort from the truth of the gospel. But it should also be genuine. You see, we should live in a way that matches what we speak. The walk needs to manage the talk. And that we should speak words that are honest from a grace-filled heart. They should be wholesome and pure. Ephesians 4.29 says, Let no corrupting talk come out of your mouths, but only such as is good for building up, as fits the occasion that it may give grace to those who hear. Oh Lord, may the things that I speak and the words that I say bring grace to those that hear. And may the words that you speak and the things that you say and the things you write give grace to those that hear. But they should also be interesting. Our words should be interesting. You see, faith is living and faith is exciting. And so there's no place in our life for these boring, dull textbook answers. When you have an opportunity to give a personal testimony, make it a personal testimony. It's about you, your experiences, and your amazing God. And it should always give praise and glory to God. And it should be about what Jesus is doing in your life right now. We can read the stories in the Bible and those blessed because God's word is living and acting. But oh, how freshening the ending is to be speaking with an, a believer and they say, let me tell you what Jesus did for me today. Or let me tell you what I found when I was reading through God's word today. Oh, we have no place to be boring when we share about what God is doing in our life, what Jesus has done. It should be exciting. But it should also be personal. Paul says, so that you may know how you ought to answer each person. Each and every person in this entire world is different. They're individuals and they're unique. There are unique things that they like. There are unique things that they don't like. There are differences of opinion. There are differences of attitude. And with God's help, we can speak appropriate words that are adapted to each individual person you see there's no canned speech to go out and share with the whole world because each person is different and things that you may enjoy things that may interest you may not interest somebody else but we can pray and say god help me i'm going to go speak with this person give me the words to speak and i encourage you when you do that speak to the person and don't speak at the person treat them as an individual a human being 
and show that love when you share with them. Be gracious. And we should always remember that it's only God's Spirit that can help us control our tongue. So if you're one of those people that just pop off without even thinking about it, if you have the non-spiritual gift of sarcasm, if you have a sharp tongue, if you just say harsh words very quickly, just trust in this. Only the Holy Spirit can help you control your tongue. The Holy Spirit helps to protect you from harsh and hurtful words. And he also fills you with words that speak of his grace. See, God has a plan for you and for me today, tomorrow, and in the days ahead. You are essential to God's plan. He wants to use you to brightly shine the light of Christ into the gloom of this mixed up world. The pandemic that we're in, it's not a vacation from the work of the gospel. The work goes on. You may be at home or you may be distanced from others, but let me tell you this morning, God wants to use you where you are with what you have for his glory and for the blessing of others. He calls us to pray. He calls us to walk in wisdom and graciously speak the truth of the gospel. Before we're done, let me just give you three quick application points. First, let me give you the best way that I know to grow in prayer. It's a three-step process. Step number one, pray. Step number two, pray more. Step number three, pray even more. You see, you're only going to learn how to pray by praying. It's plain and simple. The more you pray, the more you'll grow in prayer. So grow in prayer. Second, God provides the wisdom we need to walk in this mixed up world. So if you are a believer today and you have Christ, you have what you need. You have the power of the Spirit. You have wisdom from the Bible. And so as you press in, as you walk in the power of the Spirit, as you commune with Christ through prayer and through his word, God will equip you with what you need. So if you find yourself lacking in what you need, then it's a relationship problem. So spend more time with Jesus and he will provide what you need. Now, if you're listening along this morning, you think, well, I don't really know Christ today. I don't know what you're talking about. There's good news. You you can. The Bible makes it clear and simple that we just we simply return, repent from our past way of life. We repent from our sins. We admit to God that we are a sinner. And we repent. We turn away from that and we turn toward him and we believe that he is who the Bible says he is, that he's God's one and only son, that he's the Savior and Lord of the earth. And we confess that with our mouth. We say, Jesus, you are Savior, you are Lord. I've repented of my sins and I turn to you. And then we begin to walk with Jesus. Now, last, if you're one of those folks that struggle with your words, many times your words are not very gracious or they're not life-giving. Let me remind you of this. Gracious speech only comes from a grace-filled heart. If you're finding difficulty using words of life, words that are grace, you need to check your heart. And you need to allow God to do work in you. Because you'll speak and act out of what is inside your heart. You need to have more of Jesus and less of you. You need to empty yourself of sin and self and be filled with the Spirit. And then you trust Him to transform your speech for His glory. I was watching Channel 8 
news on Thursday night. And they had a new story about a man named Harvey Ladd. It was Harvey's 100th birthday in Rockwall, Texas. Some of y'all may have seen the story. And an idea came from a young lady named Meredith Fox, who was Mr. Ladd's neighbor, to have a birthday party parade for him in the middle of a pandemic. Now, Meredith was friends with Reagan, who just happened to be Mr. Ladd's granddaughter. They knew each other. They were acquaintances from college at Texas A&M. She moved to Rockwall after college and unknowingly bought a house next to Reagan's grandfather, Harvey Ladd. She met him. She recognized the last name. She found out she was, he was related to her friend. And so over time, she built a relationship. And when it came time for his birthday, she started a plan, and the city of Rockwall ran wild with it. I encourage you to look it up and watch the news story on, on Channel 8 on the website. It's really a fantastic story. But at the end of the story, the reporter, Matt Haverton, makes this comment. He says, there's not a lot to do right now. If you see a chance to make someone's day, someone's year, you have the time. Whether there's a pandemic or not whether we're in quarantine or free, if you see a chance to be the hands and the feet or the voice of Jesus, let me tell you this, you have the time. Live with purpose. Redeem the time. Pray and ask God for an adventure every day and trust Him to do it for you. And shine hope in these dark days. Will you pray with me? Father, we are so blessed by the truth of your word. We thank you that every time your word is open because it's living and it's active, it speaks to us, it challenges us, and it changes us. And that's very the very thing I'm asking and praying this morning, that as we've heard your word, as we've listened to your truth, that you would change us, you would transform us, that you would mold us, that you would excite us about our faith, you would challenge us in areas where we need improvement, and that you would drive us to the foot of the cross where we could lean on you to place our total dependence on you. Lord, help us to see how we need more and more of Jesus in our lives each and every day. And Lord, we trust you to show us how to walk wisely in the mixed up world. And we pray this in Jesus' wonderful name. Amen. God bless you. And we'll see you next week.